listeners, and welcome to the David Cook Projects podcast. Today's episode is a special edition answer series episode with our guest, Paul Signor. We have collaborated with him and his representing gallery, Salon 91, established by Monique Dupree in Cape Town for his solo project, Markers, which is open at the David Cook Gallery, 142A Jansmats Avenue, Parkwood, Johannesburg. It's great to have you in Joburg, and thanks for doing your project with us. Mm, yeah, thanks for having me. Great to be here. So, what are your thoughts or your relationship with Johannesburg, considering that a lot of your work is inspired by your surroundings in Cape Town? Uh, Joburg's always been interesting to me. We never really came here as kids, even though we traveled all over South Africa on holidays and that kind of thing. So, I only started coming to Joburg 12, 13 years ago. Uh, with some friends of mine and we just did small projects and tried to do exhibitions and meet people up here and we came up back then quite a few times over, over a few years and I quite enjoy it here. I find the weather amazing. <laughs> Very different <laughs> um, from Cape Town. Yeah, the sky is different, the <laughs> colors are different. And there's definitely a lot more city here. Yes. Although there's definitely a lot of, I would say, man-made greenery. Yeah, that's true. Which is also quite interesting. So you get, again, it's different from Cape Town, but you get these really interesting interplays of color and landscape, which I find quite interesting. Good. Well, I hope you're a little bit inspired by Joe then. <laughs> yeah, I usually am. <laughs> it's usually a, a good change of scenery. That's I don't know if I could necessarily live here. Yeah. Um, but I like to be here when I'm here. Yeah. I think that's like with any city that you visit that isn't home. You know, mm. it's always good to have a change of scenery yeah. and then return yeah. back to where you're familiar with. What is it exactly about your surroundings uh, that does inspire you? Mostly shapes, forms, color, all of those that kind of maybe happen a bit more accidentally more than in intentionally. And I would say the things that my eye sees that I get drawn to, in many ways those inform my works. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's a bad way to describe it, but it's a bit of a mishmash of <laughs> what's happening in my head well, if that's getting anything, abstract yeah. Yeah. it's anything to go by whatever's in your head it's very cool <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah so are you quite intentional about your compositions If I mean because you, you mentioned the word accidental mm -hmm. um, are your compositions accidental in any way or are you quite intentional about the way that you compose your image yeah to some degree they are and to some degree they aren't so I did a residency with a friend of mine Wesley Van Heerden in 2011 in Finland. We were given a stipend, so I figured, well, I don't need to bring any art supplies with. I can get everything when I arrive there, which is what we did. And we each had a nice, well-lit studio space that we could work in. And it was kind of like a fresh start for me in terms of my work and the approach to my work and kind of exhaling, inhaling, and then working on something new. So one of the things that was left in, this, in the studio that I was in by a previous artist was a roll of tracing paper. And um, before that, I would basically paint from my mind's eye in a sense and sort of hope for the best in terms of the outcome of the painting. And I found that sometimes it worked and other times it didn't work. Sometimes I had to just like trash a painting or paint over it. Yeah. Um, 
But what I did was I went and spent a lot of time in the library in the small town where we were working and got really inspired by Finnish art and design and print and like big brands that people might know like Marimekko okay. and started to go to the library and just draw and trace and draw things that I was seeing out in the forest etc etc so I was building up kind of this archive of memories from when I was from the three months that I was staying there mm. and just accidentally the one afternoon after being at the library I took all my drawings and I just folded them up together to put them in my bag right. and when I got back to the studio I realized like because they were all folded up and on top of one another that they had this really interesting composition yeah and so that's when I started to be a lot more intentional in terms of the actual composition of a work and I started to in a sense like photoshop cut copy paste collage these drawings together and then I started using those as composition sketches to inform the actual start of a painting so that's how I work these days Mm. Um, I usually always have a drawing that I'll be using as a reference for the painting and then I'll have swatches that I get from the paint shop but I don't actually ever buy the paint from the paint shop I usually just go in there and grab a whole bunch of other swatches <laughs> and then use those as a reference and then I'll mix my own okay. paint and sometimes I'll hit those colors sort of spot on and sometimes during the process of mixing the paint I will come across a color that I like so that I don't right. even get to mix that color that I thought I was going to use. Yeah. Um, so that's quite interesting. Yeah, so the paintings always have a drawing and they always have a rough idea of the, the composition and the colors involved. And when I, once I start painting, it starts to become a lot more organic and spontaneous. So for me, what may look really good on a drawing sometimes doesn't work as well when I translate it onto the canvas and so I kind of backtrack out of that process mm-hmm. in and out and paint in and through and over things as the artwork starts to develop. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. And then speaking of your, your process now, what kind of gets you into that creative flow? Do you listen to music? Do you have quite a clean studio space? A lot of people have told me that my studio is the cleanest art studio really oh my goodness yeah I would say I'm quite a ordered process oriented person okay so I generally know where everything is in my studio and when I mix a color of paint I give it a name so I know like okay cool that's a super (laughs) color and then what I do is I'll trace out the work onto the canvas and then I'll I'll just put labels in for where I want to put maybe certain colors to start with and then I'll start painting that way. Um, And often I'm not only working on one canvas at a time, sometimes I'm working on two or three. So I'll be painting on one and then I'll cross over onto the next one. Sometimes I butt them up really close as well. So there's a bit of a flow across a certain series of works or a certain theme or exhibition. So I like to have a bit of continuity and flow through the days and months and years. So the paintings in a way are almost like brother, sister. They have relationship with each yeah. other. That's um, cool. So it kind of traces almost like a timeline as well to yeah, your, your yeah, making. Yeah. I generally don't listen to music. I quite enjoy it to be quiet. 
if I'm not feeling like I want it to be quiet, then I go and listen to a podcast or okay. someone talking about something. And I find that quite interesting because I found at a point in time, listening to music started to influence the work to some degree. Right. The way I would paint was becoming a bit too influenced by music. So I stopped listening to music. Hmm. Unless maybe it's classical or like piano yeah. or something that's quite grand in its mm. It's quite <laughs> interesting to, to hear you say all of this because I, I suppose maybe my predisposition was that, you know, having been inspired by street culture or, you know, skateboarding, um, which a lot of your, your background references, you know, yeah. seems to come from, um, I would have thought you would have quite a messy studio and you'd listen to like hip hop, mm. <laughs> you know, but I suppose those are all falling into certain stereotypes. I yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then another thing I wanted to ask you, you mentioned that you name your your paints. Um, yeah, is it similar to the way that you name your paintings? Like where where do your names come from? Often the titles for the works are are referencing maybe conversations I've had or conversations I've overheard or just interesting interplays of words and relationships of words or, or words to one another. Um, and sometimes a title will just pop into my head and I'll make a note of it on my drawing board and just kind of keep it there until I feel like there's a painting that could maybe speak, speak that same language. And so I suppose that's what led me to the title for the exhibition of markers was I've been thinking about this word markers for a while and kind of what it means for me and what it means for other people and how that could come together as maybe a an artwork or a group of artworks. Yeah, and so here we are showing markers mm-hmm. awesome. at David Group Projects in Joburg. Yeah, I yeah, it just felt like a good fit <laughs> and a, a good time to sort of release the title in a sense. That's great. Yeah. So it, just hearing you say like you write down words or whatever, like there was one that stood out for me. I mean, that's Amey and Mai's favorite painting. In the, I love all of them, but this is our favorite one. Marginal. Mm, mm. Is that a word or is that a made up word? That's a made up word. Okay. Yeah, I made that word up. Uh, and that painting, yeah, it's one of my favorites too. I'm surprised it's still around and not <laughs> with someone else yet. Oh, well, this is what Marcus is for. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm always interested in that. Like sometimes I'll finish a painting and be like that. Because every time I'm painting, I'm thinking about, can I make this painting even better than the one I did before? Okay. And every now and again, I hit a point where I find that painting and I go like, wow, this... Uh, there's something about this painting that some other paintings don't really have. Yeah. And Marginal is definitely one of those works. Um, so that work was for, it showed last year, my solo show with Salon 91. Okay. And the title of that show was Recollectionary. And so what I did for that show was we celebrated 10 years of working together. So I started to look back at the archives of the paintings that I've been doing over the last 10 years and started to use certain works as starting point and reference for new for okay. a series of new works. Okay. And so Marginal is a combination of two titles of paintings that I've done before where I gleaned from those paintings and That's yeah. awesome. So the word margins and the word hymnal. Okay. I just kind of stuck them together <laughs> and figured like well yeah paint I can make up words. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Artistic, what do they call it? Artistic license. Yeah. <laughs> there you yeah. go. Yeah. No, that's very cool. That makes a lot of sense. 
right. And then speaking of Salon 91, that's your representing um, mm. gallery. What? Uh, how did that relationship come about? Uh, I met Monique probably about 11, 12 years ago now. I was uh, chosen as an emerging creative at one of the first design endeavors, which is basically they gave us a, I think it was like a two or a three by one meter space, a whole bunch of young people, you can you could show whatever you wanted. And most of the people there that were showing there were either designing objects or furniture or graphic designers or illustrators or doing some kind of craft related thing that was, I felt, way more <laughs> in tune with the theme and theory of design in Dharma than me as a painter. So I was quite surprised to be chosen as an emerging creative, being the only painter there. And yeah, I met Monique at the Design in Dharma, okay. and she said, cool, she wants to come over to the <laughs> studio, and I said, yeah, you can come and have a look at what I'm doing. And she said, well, I'm starting this gallery space. Would you like to show? And at the time, there was no gallery space. Sure. It was basically a property over dad's that um, he knocked down a couple of walls and put in a glass window, and was it was really under construction. Yeah. Um, and she was like, "No, it's going to be great, and this and that." And I mean, we were working, or well, the contractors were working there up until like literally a few hours before the, the gallery actually opened with the first show which happened wow. to have my work and my friend Wesley's work. Wow. And um, yeah, we've been working out, working together ever since um, and maybe formalized it in terms of signing with her a couple of years ago. And yeah, we've learned a lot from one another. And I think we have a really good friendship and a really good understanding of how we work and mm. the great 10 years since That's then. wonderful. Yeah. yeah. There's been a lot of, um, obviously, growth in your career and in her gallery from, you know, from that initial start anyway. Yeah. So that's wonderful. Yeah. Considering that you, you, you're essentially an untrained artist, if I can put it like that, mm. did you have any existing notions or understanding of the art world? And has it changed over the years? Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've ch chosen not to study art. Uh, my art education, if you want to call it formal education, stopped at the end of primary school. And I really enjoyed it. I was never very good at it compared to the <laughs> other kids, but I really enjoyed it. But I knew that I didn't want to study it because I thought that might influence me and kind of box me into doing something that I, I never really wanted to do it for a living. Right. I always just enjoyed the process <laughs> and the discovery and... Again, an accident. <laughs> accidental yeah, so, situation. So, that, so after primary school, I started skateboarding maybe two or three years later. And that's where I first started to realize like, wow, art can be different to what I was taught in primary school about like, you know, you're more like let's say well-known traditional painters like Picasso, Van Gogh, uh, all of those guys who you kind of look at their work and you're like, wow, I could never paint like that. Right. It's like, it's too much. Like, I just like to draw with cookies and crayons <laughs> and cardboard. And yeah, it's a bit intimidating totally as a kid, especially. Yeah. So I kind of, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like that. I, I mean, I respect their work and I really love their work, yeah, but I didn't like the idea of being told what to do. Mm. And I think skateboarding really moved me in a direction where I saw painters who were current at the time, probably more so on like the west coast of the US, guys like Barry McGee, Ed Templeton, who were crossing over between this thing of riding their skateboards 
being artists, guys like Mark Gonzalez were doing these things that kind of crossed over and kind of made me think like, wow, I can actually still be a painter and not really worry too much about any gallery system or any education system and I can kind of just do stuff that I like. I think earlier you used the word rebellion. Is that kind of inspired by those skateboarders? <laughs> I mean, who, yeah, who isn't really a bit of a rebel as you, as you go into your teenage years? True. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was probably around about the age of 16. So I was first exposed to, like you say, like very traditional, like this is painting, you'll never make any money doing this, like don't even consider <laughs> it as a career. These guys all died poor. <laughs> or like, you know, they're only yeah, famous now, hopeful. like a hundred years later. Very um, so it, it kind of transitioned from that to like, wow, I can ride my skateboard, I can look at things differently and use them differently concrete tarmac all those things that change when you have a different purpose for them yeah um, and so I suppose my painting kind of got birthed out of that sort of DIY right. mindset of like you can use anything you can go to the pick and pay down the road buy your house and get all the cardboard boxes flatten them roughen them up paint them with <laughs> household PVA and then draw on them with crayons and that can also yeah. be art absolutely <laughs> yeah now because now you're mostly showing in galleries right so yeah. do, you, do you still have works that are like on the streets or make street art murals that kind of thing um, yeah so through skateboarding I definitely got into graffiti and street art and outdoor spaces before I got into sort of your more indoor space that you would now call a gallery and I still really enjoy those spaces in terms of the way that they inspire me towards work that goes into a gallery and so even if I'm working in a gallery, I'm still thinking of it the way I would think of it. Okay. As if I were doing something outdoors. outdoors. So for instance, the, the mural aspect to what we've done now in the space. Right. It references back to the work, but it also alludes back to the inspiration behind the work and kind of extracts a little bit of sort of your more formal paintings that are hanging in the space and maybe it plays with the paintings a little bit. I'm yet to explore to the full extent what I'd like to do. Okay. But I'm always pushing it at my own pace in a direction where I'm able to do things like that. Right. So that's yeah. exciting. It's a bit of a precursor that there's more to come. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of the space, like if I look at it as a white cube, I always think of the possibilities that could take place in the installation-wise, even mm -hmm. if it is just paint on a wall. For me, that's kind of the starting point. Right. And if, for instance, I have the resource, I would go a lot further. And if I had the time, I would go a lot further. Of course. In terms of executing, like, <laughs> like I said, that mishmash of what's going on yeah. in my mind. And then working, say, scale-wise and stuff, like the size of your canvases, and do you take in consideration a space that it will be shown in? Or like if someone was to purchase your work, that it's going into a house somewhere? You know, does that architecture or that idea ever come into your mind when you do scale? Yeah, definitely, it does. Yeah. Okay. I personally, not all artists like it, but I personally like the commission process. So okay. if it's going to go into someone's home or wherever they 
would like the piece to be. I always like to go there and visit the people, have a look at well, what is this? What's what is this space like? What are these people like? And then even in that process, I start to draw yeah. out something that hopefully is quite personal to them, quite personal to me. That's great. But also really fits in the space. Yeah. And so yeah, I do. Generally, I'm thinking architecturally. So for instance, the solo show I did last year, I did a mock-up of the gallery, just a drawing with where I wanted to place everything. It maybe wasn't as easy to do it with you guys, but now having been in the space, knowing what the space could be like, if we get to do this again, there yeah. would be a different possibility. Yeah, in terms absolutely. of what the space could hold. That's wonderful. It's it's really cool because obviously your you know your subject matter is very inspired by your surroundings. So mm. to know that that's how you work in terms of your paintings and even your commission bases, so I yeah. think that's you know that's a continuation of your process, which is wonderful. Mm. So we're looking very forward to the opening of Markers, which is happening this evening at David Crick Projects, and I'm sure it's going to be super successful. So yeah, let's get ready for that. Yeah. For more information on Paul, visit the link in the description to his website or visit his exhibition page on davidcrickprojects.com thanks for listening and remember to like comment share and subscribe to the david crick projects podcast bye for now